TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. All right, welcome in. I know a lot has been made today of the coaching staff for the Patriots after Ben Bolin's article in the Globe. And I understand there's aggravation, there's frustration with what happened at the end of the season. But from my perspective, the biggest issue on that coaching staff is not nepotism. The biggest issue from my perspective is there's too many chefs in the kitchen. So what has to happen next season is they have got to figure out a way to streamline this thing. And maybe it works itself out. Maybe Gerard Mayo ends up getting that opportunity with the Denver Broncos and he becomes the head coach there and then everything kind of falls into place and Steve Belichick is not only the play caller, but he's in charge of the defense. But you can't have four guys with their fingerprints all over it with Patricia, with Bill Belichick, with Steve Belichick, and with Gerard Mayo. With the offense, now I have issues with the offense and I went through the issues I have with Josh McDaniels as a play caller, more so as a designer of offense and a play caller. I'm not talking about his actual in-game play calling. I went through it last night. I just feel like he doesn't take the low-hanging fruit. He doesn't incorporate RPOs, and he doesn't incorporate enough play action into the game plan with Mac. Mac Jones, 26.1% of his passing attempts out of RPOs and out of play action. And at the collegiate level, he was over 52% in RPOs and play action if you combine the two. So that's my bigger issue with Josh McDaniels. But we know it's McDaniels' offense. He's running things. We know what's going on in the offensive side of the football From a defensive perspective, it has got to be more streamlined and they have got to figure it out because you don't know who to listen to. So I understand that part of it. From my perspective, that's the bigger issue. It's not nepotism on the coaching staff. And quite frankly, the game plan, I hated it the other night. They needed to bring more pressure after Josh Allen proved for the second time that just letting him sit back there, he's got to be able to go up and down the field. So the game plan the other night was crappy. But the bigger issue from my perspective is the lack of speed on the linebacking core. That's the thing that I look at. The linebackers right now are not good. And the Patriots have got to find a way. I shouldn't say in totality they're not good because I do believe that Van Noy had a good season and I would like him to be back with the Patriots. Like, he was really good, I thought, this season. Not like a Pro Bowl-level player, but out of that group of the Bentleys and the high towers of the world, I felt like Van Noy looks like he can still play. Then you got to find out what you have with McGrone and Uche is going to need to take a step forward. And I know he's dealt with injuries early on in his career, but you've essentially got nothing out of that player. So that's the biggest thing to me from a defensive perspective is to get more out of that linebacking core, get younger in that linebacking core. And then from a defensive line perspective, 
Judon's going to come back as the guy that we saw for the first 13 games of the season. Barmore, I would expect, will take another step forward next year as well. So I feel pretty good about that group right there with the Barmore-Judon combination because that was deadly for a good portion of the season. It's just, can that linebacking core incorporate some more speed? And I know people question, hey, does Bill just like the bigger linebackers? Well, yeah, that tends to be the way that he kind of goes throughout his tenure as the head decision maker of the Patriots. But the McGrone pick, maybe that symbolizes that he is going to go lighter. He is going to go guys that are more athletic. And I would imagine that that's something he targets in this draft as well. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on the coaching staff and what you want to see from the defense going forward, that's on the table at 617-779-7937. But I do want to get to this for a second because – After Mac's rookie season, obviously we all hated the way that it ended in terms of how the Patriots just came undone at the end of the year, and they kept digging themselves holes defensively in terms of falling behind, and then all the pressure was on Mac to bring the offense back. And I'm not saying that he's without blame because, of course, he had some bad interceptions during that stretch. And the Miami pick six, you put your team down 14 to nothing. He had two Really bad interceptions against the Indianapolis Colts. The one that he just had against the Bills, I can't really blame him for the first one he had. I didn't think that was that bad of a throw that Mac had. It's just a really nice play by Hyde. But you felt some of the shine come off Mac Jones because up until that stretch at the end of the season, it felt like, oh, man, he's without question going to be hovering around a top 10-ish quarterback in the league. It felt that way. It felt like, oh, he could get to this level. But at the end of the season, you saw kind of the wheels come off a little bit there. So I was starting to think about how this Patriots team should build itself around Mac from an offensive perspective, of course. I don't know why I said offensive perspective. They're not building around Mac from a defensive perspective. But offensively, if you look at a guy that I think had some of the same limitations as Mac Jones, but also had some of the same strengths as Mac Jones, it's Drew Brees. Look, I'm not telling you that Mac Jones is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm I'm not going that nuts yet. But if you look at some of the numbers, so... Drew Brees, final three seasons in terms of his intended air yards per attempt. 7.1, 6.4, 6.1. So Mac's actually ahead of that at 8.0. But if you look at the yak, that's something that obviously Mac benefited from at the collegiate level where 41% of his passing yardage was after the catch. You look at Drew Brees, uh, he was great at this, right? He'd always put the ball in the right place. You look at Drew Brees in the 19 season, 45.7% in the 2020 season. of his passing yardage came after the catch. You look at Mac Jones this season, he was at about 46% compared to Breeze in that 2020 season at 50%. So the reason I bring up Drew Breeze is this. Drew Breeze never had the strongest arm in the world. He didn't throw the ball outside the numbers very often. And if you think about what Sean Payton did there in New Orleans, is they built an offense really for a decade and a half around Drew Brees' strengths, which were he could process information incredibly quickly, and he was incredibly accurate, right? And if you look at his numbers with the Chargers, the accuracy numbers were not there. Once he got to New Orleans, his numbers went through the roof because they put the perfect pieces around Drew Brees to enhance his skill set, right? So if you look at it, you just go to his first season with the Saints. And by the way, you look at the Saints from 06 to 2020, how good that offense was. They were second in the NFL in EPA per play from 06 to 2020. The only team that was better from an offensive perspective from 06 to 2020 were the New England Patriots with Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. So it wasn't just Drew Brees. It was 
how Sean Payton built the offense around Drew Brees. Because remember, and I know that he was dealing with an injury, the Chargers passed on Drew Brees. They said, now we're good, we're good with Phillip Rivers, you can take him. And Sean Payton legitimately built his offense around what he thought Drew Brees the player was based on how he scouted him with the Chargers. So if you look at it, 2006 with Drew Brees, what do they have for him? Colston, Reggie Bush, and an older Joe Horn. So what you have with Colston is he was incredible at running in-breaking routes, right? Big-bodied receiver that could run in between the numbers, right? Almost like a tight end in some cases. Joe Horn was a guy that would go down the field a little bit more, and Bush is that guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's basically what they had for a number of years there in terms of you have a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and you have a big guy that can run in the middle of the field, run in-breaking routes, run seam routes, and if you look at it, it got even better in 09. 09 is their Super Bowl year. This is when it really went on steroids because they got a good tight end. Not an elite tight end, but a rarely, really good tight end. So this was the move that, so first off, Sean Payton said, okay, I need a pass catching back. Okay, so they get Reggie Bush. Okay, I need a guy that can run in-breaking routes. Okay, so we get Marcus Colson, who nobody thought very highly of coming out of the collegiate level, but they saw how this is going to fit with Drew Brees. It's going to work perfectly, right? So then at 09, they say, okay, we got to take it a step further. They go after Jeremy Shockey. So they got a guy that can run seam routes. So they got a tight end that can run the seam. They have a receiver that can run in-breaking routes. And they have a guy in Reggie Bush out of the backfield. 09, Reggie Bush, 34 yards a game. And remember, Pierre Thomas, they get at that point, 31 yards per game. Colston's at 67. Shockey's at 43. They win the Super Bowl. And then they continue to go on from there for a couple of years with Shockey. Okay, then it gets even better in 11. They add another tight end who's not even really a tight end in Jimmy Graham. So they have Jimmy Graham, 81 yards a game, Colson, 81 yards a game, Sproles, 44. So after Reggie Bush goes for the big paycheck with the Miami Dolphins, they bring in Sproles, and Sproles is actually better in that role than is Reggie Bush. You look at 12, Sproles, 51 yards a game, Colston, 71 yards a game, and then this is where they make another thing. They get a guy that can run down the field. They get Lance Moore, 69 yards a game, Graham, 65. You flash forward a little bit further. 2014, they take Brandon Cooks, a deep threat. So now they have a deep threat. They have a tight end in Graham. They have a guy in Colston that can run in-breaking routes. They actually get two deep threats because they have Kenny Stills as well. And they have a guy in Pierre Thomas at that point that can catch the ball to the backfield. All right, so Pierre Thomas, 43 yards a game. Cooks, 55. Graham, 55. Colston, 55. All right, so then they enhance it even more in the 18 season. Or I should say in 16, they draft Thomas. Thomas is incredible with Breeze. Another guy that is in the Colston mode, uh, mold, rather, except he's way better than Colston ever was, a guy that can run in-breaking routes, and a guy that can be, he's a big-bodied possession receiver. Remember, he set the record a couple of years ago for receptions at a season. He's that type of player that can move the chains, he can get open, and he's somebody that Drew Brees knew where he was going to be. Now, of course, he's had his issues off the field with his teammates, etc., but the point being, he was basically... Marcus, I'm not saying he literally was, but he was Marcus Colston on steroids. He was a better version of Marcus Colston. And what do they add? Okay, they need another Reggie Bush, Sproles type of player because Sproles a couple of years after New Orleans went to Philadelphia. Well, they get Kamara. And Elvin Kamara basically is better than Sproles and he's better than Reggie Bush ever was. So they have, at the end of the career, when Breeze was throwing the ball down the field even less, they got a guy like Kamara, they have Thomas, and then they had Ginn who could go down the field and could beat you down the field. So you had deep threats throughout this this whole tenure with Drew Brees, but the most important criteria or the most important elements were you had 
a running back that could catch the ball to the backfield. Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas, Darren Sproles, Elvin Kamara. You had, for the most part, a tight end. Jeremy Shockey to Jimmy Graham. And even if you go back to the end of the tenure with Drew Brees in 19, Jared Cook had a really good season there in 19 when he averaged 50 yards per game. And that's basically just because Jared Cook was playing with Drew Brees. Jared Cook's not that good of a player anymore. Remember, he wasn't good in Green Bay. Then he goes to New Orleans. It's like, holy crap, this guy's good again. So then you add Jared Cook at the end of there. And even Fleener was good for a season there. So you got a tight end. You have a running back that can catch the ball to the backfield. And most importantly, you have a big-bodied receiver that can run in-breaking routes. So those are the things that the Patriots need to address. They do have a tight end that I think they can use even more in Mac's second year in Hunter Henry. He's dependable in that particular scenario. But the other two elements are what you need to find. The question is going to become, what do you do with James White? Do you want to bring James White back and have him continue that role? I would like to see that because he's obviously comfortable playing in this offense, although I think the offense needs some changes. James White, depending on where he is from an injury standpoint, you'd love to have him back and check off two boxes there. But the biggest thing still comes down to, can you find that receiver, whether it be on the open market in terms of free agency, whether it be via trade, or whether it be in the draft, because that's the thing you need to take advantage of. Mac Jones is going to be really good throughout his career, throwing the ball in between the numbers. Quite frankly, we've seen it already. He's really accurate in that particular part of the field. And when sometimes he tries to throw the ball, I'm not saying he's going to ignore throwing it outside of the numbers, but think about that pick six against the Miami Dolphins. That ball, there's not enough on it, and it's late. Mac Jones cannot get away with that. So what did the Saints do for all those years with Breeze, who was coming off shoulder surgery back way back when in 06, didn't have the biggest arm in the world? They didn't really use that part of the field that much. What they did is, okay, if those things are covered up, he's dumping it off to Reggie Bush. He's dumping it off to Sproles. He's dumping it off to Kamara. So you basically took a weakness of Drew Brees and made it a strength by having that guy that could catch the ball of the backfield. And then when you realize, okay, he's the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL because of these seam routes were thrown and because of these in-breaking routes, you added to that by not only having a receiver, you added a tight end with Shockey, then you go to Graham, and then at the end you have a guy like Jared Cook. So this is the way that the Patriots, from my perspective, need to build a franchise going forward. They need to find that big-bodied receiver that can catch the ball in between the numbers, not the guy that plays outside the numbers, but not a small guy. They need a big guy to be able to do this, a la Michael Thomas, a la Marcus Colson. The other thing I would say is this. I would love for this to happen, for Mac Jones to call up Drew Brees in the offseason. I can't imagine. Now, I know he does have a lot of kids, but I can't imagine he's doing too much in these offseasons now. And he's finishing up his TV work with NBC for the remainder of the season. But I would love Mac Jones to work with Drew Brees because if Mac Jones is going to be somebody that gets to that upper echelon level, he's going to have to be one of the most accurate passers in the history of the NFL, a la Drew Brees, because he's not going to do it with his legs. He's not going to get outside the pocket and create plays that way, throwing the ball on the run, a la Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. He's going to have to do it in a very specific way, like Drew Brees did. So I would love Mac Jones to reach out to Drew Brees and see if Brees would work with him. I'm sure he would. Why wouldn't he? 617779 7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right. So if you want to weigh in in this, certainly can. And what do you want to see the Patriots do this offseason to help the young quarterback in Mac Jones? That's on the table. I also want to get into some other things from a Patriots perspective, including this. Josh McDaniels could be on the move. Is that a bad thing for the Patriots? We'll get to it next here on EEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, and we are with you until midnight. What do you want to see the Patriots do for the young quarterback, Mac Jones, going forward? What do they need to add for Mac Jones? 617-779-7937 is the number. And the reason I bring up Drew Brees, too, is I just feel like the skill set is similar to Mac. If I look at Mac Jones, I feel like he should be able to get to the Matt Ryan level. And I know Matt Ryan won an MVP. That was an outlier season for him. For the most part of his career, Matt Ryan was somewhere between, I would say, the ninth and the 13th best quarterback at the NFL. I mentioned all the weapons Matt Ryan had throughout his career in terms of his success. Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez, most recently Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. They always had weapons for Matt Ryan there in Atlanta because they realized he wasn't the quarterback that could be the alpha and the omega and carry everything they need to get him help. Just like the Patriots are going to eventually need to get Mac Jones help. But I feel like Mac's ultimate ceiling is getting to that Drew Brees level And it's a guy that didn't have the biggest arm, did not have the strongest arm in the world, yet he was the most accurate quarterback in NFL history because his coach, Sean Payton, had him in a system where he was throwing the ball, where he was the most successful throwing the ball. If you look at it, in breaking routes with the Marcus Colstons and the Michael Thomases of the world and seam routes with Jeremy Shockey, and then Jimmy Graham really enhanced that. And then even Jared Cook at the end. It's running backs out of the backfield like Kamara, like Reggie Bush, like Pierre Thomas, like Darren Sproles. That is the type of offense that can be very successful for Mac Jones. And that's why I believe the Patriots should look at that Drew Brees model. And that's how they should be building their offense. See, my biggest issue with how the Patriots have built things here is the fact that what they've done is... They're essentially asking Mac Jones to run the Tom Brady offense instead of doing things that Mac Jones was great at at the collegiate level. See, when Sean Payton got Drew Brees, he knew that there were limitations there, right? There was a reason the Chargers were not holding on to him and they were ready to go with Phillip Rivers. There was a reason they selected Phillip Rivers in the draft just a couple of years after, or I should say what, Brees is in 99 and then Rivers is in 04. So they replaced 
Breeze, they don't even give him a second contract, right? So there was a reason that the Chargers let him go. And I know part of it was an injury, but also part of it was they believed that Phillip Rivers had the higher upside. But what Sean Payton saw is I can build an offense exactly to fit this guy. Think about Drew Brees. I go back to, say, for example, the 2012 season. Drew Brees led the NFL in passing, 5,177 yards. (laughs) That's 323 a game. In 2012, he had 43 touchdowns. Guy was absolutely incredible. Think about some of the other quarterbacks in the league at that time. All these guys are more talented than Brees. Stafford's more talented. Romo's more talented. Peyton Manning, of course, way more talented. And you can't duplicate what Peyton Manning did. I mean, that guy was just incredible before the snap. I mean, he essentially, like, changed the game. All these quarterbacks now have more freedom at the line of scrimmage because of what Peyton did. Now, not everybody can do it that way. Andrew Luck had a really good season that year. Aaron, as a rookie, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was really good that year as well. He was the MVP, I believe. 67% of his passes he completed, and he had a 108 rating. So the point being Cam Newton coming in and being that new type of quarterback that could just run people over. So the point being is it was the perfect blend for the Saints of personnel with Breeze, scheme with Breeze, and the perfect coach with Breeze. So that's what the Patriots need to figure out. Let's figure out what Mac does best, and I would say it's RPO game and it's the play-action game. And what do we want to put around Mac Jones? What do we need to find with Mac Jones? And I would say just getting... James White back, and we'll see what it is from a health perspective with James White next season, but just getting James White back would be major for this team because, look, I understand that Bolden tried to become that third down back, and he was fine for most of the season, but he averaged like 23 yards a game. I mean, you look at James White's final two seasons with Brady, he's in the mid-40s, and that's essentially what these Saints running backs were at. Bush, 46 yards a game. You look at a guy like Alvin Kamara, 47 yards a game, 38 yards a game. You look at Sproles, 44 yards a game, 40 yards a game. You need a guy that is really good in that particular role, and that's exactly what James White is. Now, I would like them to target Hunter Henry more because we saw Mac Jones very comfortable throwing the football to Hunter Henry, and I just look at it if you give him more opportunities, I think you're going to get more out of the player because his volume wasn't great, but his efficiency was there. I mean, every time it felt like Mac threw him the ball – and his catch percentage is over 80%. It felt like he was going to catch it. So there's more to build there in year two with Hunter Henry, but I still believe they need to get that guy, a big-bodied receiver that can run in breaking routes. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Paulie. He's in a truck tonight. Paulie. Hey, what do you say, Brian? I'm doing Uh, well, man. First thing we need, first thing we need, I wouldn't mind seeing a new fullback, I'll tell you that, a real, uh, you know, a real good, solid NFL caliber fullback. We're going to hold on to one. That would be nice. But we really, the first thing we need is a, a left tackle. I want to rip uh, Ben Volan uh, for, in today's Globe, uh, which I get the high copy in the Globe every day. Um, I couldn't believe he said we need a right tackle. when we So obviously we need a left tackle. He didn't mention Michael Owenu once. I would, I would not... Uh, sign Trent Brown again unless he's he's willing to come back for peanuts something like he played this year yeah you know Paulie, of the injury you know, Paulie, hold on one sec I'm with you like the Trent Brown thing I like him as a player the problem is he's not durable he's never on the field he like, misses way too much time I mean I know he was healthy in 18 but look at his tenure with the Raiders the guy was barely healthy and then this year he missed a chunk of time so he's just not dependable it's, just, it's the same injury it's a chronic bad calf he's got there 
and I just don't trust it. And that's why I believe he can't play. That's why I believe, Paulie, that's why I believe he can't play on the left side is because they didn't trust his footwork over there. I've been saying half a year. I've been saying that for a long time. Because the footwork won't allow him to play the left. He played the left side before. Right. So we needed the left tackle, so it stands to reason we could still play that side. They would have put him right over there. He can't. He came back here, hobbled in from from the Raiders, still hobbling from that injury, and they figured it out quickly that the footwork won't allow him to play the other side. Some of these experts around town still haven't figured it out. We're all guys like you, you and I, Bob Bryant, figured it out a long time ago. <laughs> but there was nothing wrong with Michael Mike, Michael Owenu, who was it was played solid right tackle for us all last year, pretty much, and 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 some some of the time this year until Trent Brown came back. Unless you can move him over to the left side and teach him uh, to play left tackle, which I wouldn't get, I would not give that a shot. Because just in case you do bring back Trent Brown, you got to have a right tackle uh, ready to go. And that's Michael Owenu. I don't know what the hell Ben Volan is talking about. Sometimes he goes off off the reservation, like Karen. I don't know what right I, off the reservation. Yeah, I, I don't know what he's talk, Ben Volan's talking about half the time. I really don't. Well, give me that. Give, right, exactly. We we don't we uh, the father misinformation. We need a left tackle first and foremost. A real left tackle. I kick went inside, and I'd move Karras. Back to uh, backing up between center. Yeah, well, and they got to bring him back, Paulie. They got to bring him back first of all. You got to bring in Brian before you let me go. Yeah, you got to bring in a number one slot. A guy like Braxton Berrios isn't going to do it. He's not tough enough. He's like a number two slot. He'd like say the team of Edelman and and and, and Amendola. He'd be more like Danny. Danny was well, in a yeah, true number one. You know, Paulie, I think... Two, yeah, Paulie, I look at it, too. I think they could use, and I know like they've always had the Edelman, the Troy Brown, and the Wes Welker type, but I think they could use a bigger body in there. Like, the reason I bring up the Saints is they would use Michael Thomas in the slot. They would use Colston in the slot. I mean, think about when Bruce Arians went to Arizona. They used Larry Fitzgerald, a bigger body in the slot. I think Matt could benefit from that because that's where his bread is buttered, is throwing the ball in the middle of the field. And if you can get a bigger-bodied receiver that is going to go over the middle and run those in-breaking routes, I feel like that would be perfect for Max development. Well, as long as he can get open, it gives him a bigger target. But these small, quicker guys that can turn on a dime, that have real back alley mentally t- uh, tough guys like Edelman, like uh, Troy Brown. Troy Brown's a tough, tough guy. Oh yeah, and like Wes Welker, these those guys are back alley tough. They'll fight anybody on the street. Yeah, and they're tough kids. I don't like Bar- Barrios and Ian and and uh, and Danny. Well, they're like a, a, a step behind. Barrios is even a step behind Danny. Danny's a little crazy himself. He's a tough kid. He's not quite as tough as the other three. You can have a guy that can turn on a dime and go the other way. You've got to fit that in the tight windows more than a guy using his body with a, with a, a defender who can cover sort of draped on him. It will be easier for the defender to cover, even if the guy is a bit bigger. You'd have to you know kind of body him out, whereas these guys are other guys. These uh, these scat these scat back types they're running away from me. They're turning on a dime and they're gone. Yeah, and they're the guy that's mentally tough that can that can stay focused, catch the ball, and take the hit and get up. All right, Paulie. Hey, Paulie, I appreciate. Play. Yeah, Paulie, I'm with you. Okay, Mister Smarty Pants. <laughs> Is that Volan? <laughs> yeah, I hope Paulie heard Volan talking to him back there. But it's a lot of good points by Paulie. I do feel like I would have really liked to seen. James White in this offense. I know he was there like briefly this season, but I would have really liked to see James White because even going back to Brady, he always had that outlet guy. 
whether it be Redmond, whether it be Kevin Falk, whether it be Danny Woodhead, whether it be Shane Vereen, whether it be the best in, of that version in James White. Mac Jones didn't even have that. So he didn't have, even have the element of the offense, and he didn't have the running back. He didn't have either one of those things that we would say are sort of binkies for receivers, right? Had neither one of those things. And as it pertains to the line, Ted Karras, that's a guy that you're going to have to re-sign. I mean, if you want to keep Ted Karras on this team, you're going to have to offer him another contract because you brought him in. Now, you thought he was going to play center because you thought Andrews may leave, and Andrews, of course, signs with the team. But you're going to have to figure out what you're doing with Karras long-term. My fear with Trent Brown is you pay the guy, and he's not going to be able to play. The guy's never available. I know it was a weird situation at one point with the Raiders, but the guy always has a calf issue, and I don't feel that's getting better anytime soon. So that's a very difficult proposition for the Patriots to entertain. And then the Isaiah Wynn thing. They picked up his fifth-year option, and quite frankly, the guy's just not that good of a player. And I know Paulie says move him inside. The question there is who is going to be playing left tackle? 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Alex in Connecticut. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Not much. What do you got tonight? Not too bad. Uh, so, yeah, the previous call, I do agree. We need to kind of rebolster the offensive line. But uh, something that I've been begging for for the last maybe 10 years is getting that true number one receiver. I know it's probably the easiest thing to say, too. But, I mean, looking back, I mean, Randy Moss is probably our last big name, true number one. I mean, you can maybe throw Brandon Cooks in there. But, um I don't know. I feel like Mac Jones, in order to develop, I mean, I feel like he does need that true number one guy he can always rely on. You got Jacoby Myers that who sometimes has sure hands, sometimes doesn't. He signed Aguilar to that big deal, but, you know, he didn't really show up this year. So a couple of names that come to mind for me are really uh, Allen Robinson over in Chicago. Um, if uh, Russell Wilson ends up leaving Seattle, I feel like maybe we should try to pry DK. But, I mean, I don't know how much that will really take, but. For, for for the next season, I really feel like we do need that true number one just to see the true potential in Mac Jones. And like you mentioned, James White is coming back, so that's kind of a little safety blanket for him. But I do feel like we need to add a true number one guy. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Alex, because if I look at it, I feel like the Patriots have some nice periphery pieces, if you will. Bourne is a good player. That was a good contract for the Patriots. And Bourne, I feel like they can involve him even more next season because he's really good after the catch. He averaged seven yak yards per reception, which was sixth among non-running backs. So I like him. Myers is a nice player. And I feel like Hunter Henry had a pretty good season. I know the volume's not there as it pertains to Henry. But if Henry, Bourne, and Myers are, a say, your in no particular order, your second, third, and fourth options, well, then I feel like, okay, you have something there because those are good periphery role players, if you will. You just need that alpha and the omega of the passing game, and that's what the Patriots are missing. Allen Robinson's an interesting name. Now, he did not have a great season last year in Chicago, but you wonder how much of that is him and how much of that is just the frustration with the offense and the contract there. Exactly. No, like I said, uh, I totally agree with your points. But, I mean, I keep hearing all these people bring up Braxton Berrios and Andy Isabella, and it's like I feel like we've been going down that regime for the last, you know, 10-plus years, and I, I feel like Brady made it work because, you know, he's Tom Brady. He can make a Walmart worker look good. But um, <laughs> I truly feel like if you look at all the other teams around the league, I mean, even Miami, they got Devontae Parker and the good rookie and Jalen Waddle. And uh, I, I really feel like we just truly need to find that number one guy. Like I said, whether it's Allen Robinson, I know – Mike Williams and the Chargers, his contract's coming up. Um, but I truly feel like in order to see Max full development, I feel like he needs that true safety blanket. I'm with you, Alex. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937, the number. Yeah, with Allen Robinson, I was all about that prior to the season. If you look at like some of the advanced stuff on him, the next-gen stats, separation, he was one of the worst in the NFL this season. And if you look at it, so in 2020, 
when he was targeted. The quarterback had a 92.3 rating this past season, 55.7. But maybe you look at that as he's only going to be entering his 29-year-old season, and he's somebody that's not going to command the same amount of money that, say, like Devontae Adams is going to get on the open market, that Chris Godwin's going to get on the open market. And here's the thing about... Allen Robinson. He's good as it pertains to contested catches. That's something that he has been really good at throughout his career. So that is an interesting name to keep an eye on. If they don't go after the big name, Allen Robinson, he would have been a big name like, what, two years ago? Less than two years ago, a year ago. So that is somebody that he wasn't really on my radar, but I don't hate that at all, bringing in a guy like Allen Robinson to try to add to this offense because he's a really good route runner. I mean, that's without question. And he, Mac would be the best quarterback he's played with. He played with Fields as a rookie who was not great. He played with Foles and Dalton. Now, I like Fields a lot. I wanted the Patriots to draft Fields all the way back when. But I feel like Fields is going to have a good career. But nonetheless, he was not great as a rookie. And then you look at the Foleses, the Daltons of the world. Remember, he played with Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky. So going to Mac Jones, the guy that gets the ball out on time, because that's not what Fields does. It's not his strength. I mean, maybe Allen Robinson takes his game to a next level. So that is an interesting name to sort of keep an eye on. I just feel like Bill in... One of the three ways needs to address that position, whether it be the draft, whether it be free agency, or whether it be via trade. And, of course, the name we keep bringing up as it pertains to the trade would be a guy like Calvin Ridley. But I do feel like when you look at it from Max's perspective, he must look around the league. And, look, he's a rookie. He's green and all that. But he's got to be looking around the league right now and seeing all these quarterbacks that have already accomplished a lot in the league, and they have a number one option. And if you look at it in terms of Super Bowl teams over, let's go back to Brady in 16. Is Now, Edelman was incredible that year. And you know how I feel about Edelman. Absolutely love the guy. But if you look at the weapons that the quarterbacks have had, they've all had a legitimate guy that you had to game plan for outside of Brady in 16. Now, Edelman became that guy, but he's not on the same level as like, the Devontae Adamses of the world, the Rob Gronkowski's of the world at the tight end position, the Tyree kills, right? He's a really good slot receiver, but you're not completely altering your game plan to stop Edelman. And I'm not diminishing what Edelman does as a player, but Brady in 16, he was 11 and one during the regular season. He was the best. That's I have argued on multiple occasions. That's the best Tom Brady's ever played better than 07. I mean, he was so good in that playoff run. He was so good during that regular season. The only game they lost was, to that really good Seattle team. But that's it. That's the only game they lost with Brady as the quarterback. But if you look at that outside of Brady, 17, Foles has a number one target in a guy like Zach Ertz. Brady in 18 gets Rob Gronkowski back. In 19, Pat Mahomes has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You look at Brady last year, he has Chris Godwin, he has Antonio Brown, he has Mike Evans, and he has Rob Gronkowski. It has turned into a league that a lot of it has to do with weapons. You can't win at the receiver and tight end position with at least with out at least one elite guy. Think about all the teams that have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. They all have at least one elite guy. Even the Cincinnati Bengals in Joe Burrow's rookie year or second year, I should say, his rookie playoff debut, if you will. Jamar Chase as a rookie. That's a legitimate bona fide number one guy. And you can make an argument and I would wouldn't disagree with you. The guy's already a top five receiver in the NFL. You look at the Tennessee Titans. They have A.J. Brown for Ryan Tannehill. You look at the Chiefs, we've already gone through them in terms of their weaponry. The Bills have Stephon Diggs. And really, Allen's career, we all know, took off after they got Stephon Diggs. You look over in the NFC, we've already addressed Brady. He's got Mike Evans. He's also got Gronk, who's had a really good season as well. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams. Matthew Stafford is a guy that just won the Triple Crown. 
in Cooper Cup, who's having, obviously, one of the best receiving seasons that, quite frankly, we've ever seen. So he's been amazing for them. And the Niners have Debo Samuel that can do pretty much everything. He's a running back. He's a receiver. He's basically the most versatile offensive player in the entire NFL. So all these teams that are competing for a Super Bowl, so to speak, are in that round. And the Patriots are nowhere close to that. They've done a good job restocking the weapons, so to speak, right? When it comes to Hunter Henry, because they didn't have a tight end last year. When it comes to another weapon at the receiver position, like a Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers has made nice progress throughout his career. Now it's time to go for the guy that puts you over the top. I feel like the Patriots thought that guy was going to be Jonu Smith, but he just really never became that player. And I would say part of it, too, if you look at it, is the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill, one of the strengths of that team has been throughout the years is Tannehill after now he did have one really good season in Miami but Tannehill since going over to the Tennessee Titans this is and I'm not comparing the players but remember what I said with Breeze is they took advantage of Breeze skill set well the Titans have done the same thing because they have a running back in Derrick Henry they've really taken advantage of Ryan Tannehill's skill set which is oh yeah he's really good in the play action game and if you look at Tannehill last year he's at 158 passing attempts out of play action, which was third in the NFL. And Jonu Smith benefited a lot from that play action. I mean, that's where he was really effective was out of the play action game. And if you look at this past season with Mac Jones, the number's really not there as it pertains to play action attempts. He was just at 104, which was 17th in the NFL. So you look at that in terms of the difference between Tannehill and Mac Jones as the offenses are constituted, if you will. Obviously, a guy like Jonu Smith really benefited in a play-action scheme. Now, I'm not telling you that that's the only reason Jonu Smith wasn't good here, but I do think incorporating more play-action into the offense is going to help everybody. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, so a lot more to get into. I will get into some Celtics stuff because I feel like there's a narrative going around about the Celtics that, quite frankly, just isn't true. So I'll address that in a little bit. But I do want to get to Josh McDaniels. His name is being floated for a certain head coaching job. Will he get it? Should he take it? And would it hurt the Patriots? I'll address all that next here on EEI. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. All right, we are with you until midnight. So if you want to weigh in on what the Patriots need to do for Mac Jones, that's on the table all night. It's 617-779-7937. And by the way, my number one target. Now, I would love them to go after Jameson Williams in the draft. I know Mel Kuyper, of course, mocked them to get Jameson Williams. I'd like them to. I don't think that because Bill missed on receivers before in the draft like Nikhil Harry, that means like you shouldn't go into the draft again and draft receivers. I, I hear that thrown out. It's dumb logic. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> if you think there's a guy there, it's a stud. You draft him. You made a mistake with Nikhil Harry. That shouldn't prohibit you from drafting receivers in the first round ever again. It'd be like the... Cardinal saying, well, we missed on Josh Rosen, but we shouldn't take a quarterback again. We're going to pass on Kyler Murray. Like, that's what you do. If the if you find a receiver in the first round that you think is a legitimate stud, you should draft him in the first round. But my ideal target is another guy coming off injury. It's Chris Goblin. He's a guy that can play in the slot, and he's a bigger version of Welker and Edelman. He would be the perfect fit with Mac Jones. If you could get him and pry him away from Tampa Bay, it would make it kind of sweet, too, if you took Chris Goblin away from the Buccaneers organization, depending on what Brady decides to do here in the coming months, if he's going to come back or if he's going to retire. So that'd be my number one option, is try to sign Chris Goblin. 
And I know you're going to have to do things financially with the cap and all that, but that'd be my number one target. A guy that can succeed in the middle of the field where Mac Jones is best throwing the football. That would be my number one target on the list, even though I know he's coming off a torn ACL. That's why I don't think Brady can leave. Can you just retire after you just threw a ball and you sent a guy into a torn ACL? I know Brady was complaining to the NFL to change the rules and try to protect receivers, but it was a bad pass by Brady. He led him into that injury. But anyway, I want to get to this for a second. So... This comes from Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports. A name that keeps getting floated for the Raiders head coaching position is Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Haven't heard much about him this cycle. It would take some circumstances all coming together to pry him loose, but keep an eye on Vegas. All right, so a couple of things with this. It feels like I agree with Jonathan Jones that there hasn't really been a lot of buzz around Josh McDaniels. It felt like midway through the season that McDaniels was going to be the hot head coaching candidate, but clearly that has not been the case. When I look at it right now, the two guys that I would say I am guaranteeing, I am locking this in, the two guys that are definitely getting jobs this offseason, Brian Dayball is getting one for sure, and it feels like Chicago really wants Brian Dayball. I feel like he's going to land in Chicago, and the other guy that's definitely getting a gig is Flores. Based on what he did in Miami, Flores is going to get a gig this offseason. So those are the two guys I would say right away they're both getting jobs. And Josh McDaniels seems like he's lower down on the food chain. Like, he's not even in that second group. It feels like this is the only team that is significantly interested in McDaniels. We know, of course, that Gerard Mayo got interest from the Denver Broncos. He already interviewed with that team. Now, he's one of, like, a million guys. The Broncos already interviewed seven. They're interviewing, like, seven more candidates as well. And apparently, things went well for Gerard Mayo in the interview. But we'll see how that ends up playing out. I mean, he's only been an assistant for a couple of years here. But as it pertains, as it pertains rather to McDaniel's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that he has to weigh. So first of all, first of all, it felt like for a couple of years, McDaniel's was the name, and he wasn't taking these jobs, right? So eventually, he takes the Colts job, but he lands them or he leaves them rather at the altar. So he doesn't end up there. And then there is some buzz. Remember a couple of years ago, like the Giants were interested in McDaniel's. But Belichick wouldn't let him interview for the job at the time. He let Joe Judge interview, but he was waiting to let McDaniels interview. And they ended up signing or hiring Joe Judge, if you will. So McDaniels passed on, or McDaniels didn't pass, but he was interested in that job. We know he was interested in the Cleveland Browns job because he's an Ohio guy. And eventually that went to Kevin Stefanski. Now, it was reported that he was interested in the Carolina job, but they had already decided to go with Matt Rule. The Patriots are in the middle of a playoff run. So here's the thing that McDaniels has to weigh. We've seen last year and this season the job opportunities that were coming there, coming alive for Josh McDaniels. It felt like every time a job popped up, Josh McDaniels was one of the names there. I mean, San Francisco, there was rumors that he could be going, not rumors he could be going there, but there was interest from San Francisco. So it felt like for about, I would say, a two to three year window, Josh McDaniels could have gone to a bunch of different locations. He didn't end up leaving. But now think about it. The only team we're really hearing a lot of smoke with is the Raiders. That's it. So McDaniels has to be thinking, well, hold on. There's going to be a newer, younger crop of offensive minds. Like he's seen these guys, the LaFleurs of the world, the McVeighs of the world, the Shanahans of the world. Those guys getting jobs. And now you're seeing Dayball's getting a job. So there's going to be a new crop of young guys coming up. The teams may say, oh, yeah, I don't know if we need McDaniels. And so he's got to weigh whether or not more opportunities are coming in the future. And the other thing you got to look at, too, if you're McDaniels from a con standpoint here, 
Like if you're listing the pros and cons, well, if you go to this job with the Raiders, you have a bad owner in Mark Davis, and you're in a division where you got to play Pat Mahomes twice a year and Justin Herbert twice a year. And look, Derek Carr is a good player, but he's significantly older than both those guys, and he's not as good as either one of those players. And I know that the Raiders beat the Chargers at the end of the season, but if you watch that game, it was pretty clear who the best player on the field was, and that was Justin Herbert. It was not Derek Carr. So are you going to take a job where you have to deal with the Chiefs that maybe they're – now, I know they didn't end up becoming that dynasty yet, but maybe they're the, they're the next dynasty of the NFL. You have an upcoming quarterback in the league. You could argue the most talented quarterback in the league right now in Herbert. I mean, Rodgers probably still has that title. Mahomes is in the conversation, but Herbert's definitely in the family photo. you got to deal with that team for the next decade or so, or you don't even get a decade if you flame out. So I just feel like if I'm McDaniels, and I know that it's tougher to be pickier, as I said, because he isn't getting these opportunities all the time. But, man, this is one that, you know, I get it. It's Vegas. It's a historic franchise. But it's a bad owner. It's not a great roster. And you got to go up in a really tough division. I would pass on this if I was McDaniels. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Paul. He's in Westfield. Paul, what's up, man? Hey, good evening, uh, Professor Barrett. I'll skip my normal well and funny intro because this is a serious subject that I'll focus some serious points on, which is why I'm, in fact, a sports pope, Paul Christ. When people try to – a quick point around what you give our new quarterback. Brian, he finished with the 10th overall quarterback rating. You give him protection, you give him receivers, and let him do his thing. That kid's focused, not distracted by the social media circus, and seems to be well under pressure. Now, on Josh McDaniel, this is a crystal clear point. When the pundits say, well, he didn't so good as a head coach, and that's not – he's not very good. Right. And Muhammad Ali – and Mike Tyson's training partners never become a world champ because they're not Tyson and Ali. Josh McDaniels is not no Bill Belichick. However, let's look at what he did for how many years and how key, instrumental, and really smart he was at helping run that offense and what we were able to produce. And people aren't going to be jumping all over him because anyone who's serious knows you keep it low, you maintain a low profile, and you try to get the best deal. But I think based upon how he performed with us, not an irrelevant performance as a head coach when who knows what was going on behind the scenes. We'd be nuts not to consider bringing him back. That's all I have to say about that. And that's the fact, Jack. Wait, you're saying bring McDaniels back or O'Brien? Absolutely. McDaniels. Absolutely McDaniels. Oh, well, yeah, I don't think there's – if if McDaniels doesn't get a head coaching job, he's going to be the offensive coordinator. So I don't even think that's in question. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. As far as the other one, no. The other one you mentioned, I haven't researched enough to give an educated opinion. But people who criticize McDaniels, Brian, it's worth repeating. To say he didn't do well as a head coach, again, is like saying Ali and Tyson's training partners didn't become the champ. He's not head coach type with that particular organization. I mean, look what happened with Pete Carroll. We got rid of him, and he won a world championship in Seattle. It's not all cut yeah, and dry. So, yeah, no, like, yeah, Paul, I understand your point that he could evolve, and I appreciate the phone call, that he could be a better coach in a different location. But there is significant baggage there. He was only 11-17. and 17. He picked Tim Tebow in the first round. And if you look at it, he violated the rules. Remember, he, he, got, he got caught in a Spygate situation there in Denver. Not to mention, he left the Colts at the altar. So it's not all crystal clear. And if you look at his offenses without Brady in Denver, 18th in points per game, 29th in points per game, 32nd in points per game when he had that one year with St. Louis with Sam Bradford, and last year 19th in points per game with Cam Newton. So I don't think it's like 
definitive that McDaniels is going to succeed in the next place. I get Paul's point. It's a fair point. Pete Carroll was not good with the Patriots, and he failed with the Jets, and he goes to Seattle, and he changes things after years at the collegiate level, and it works for him. Bill Belichick with the Browns, he was much better with the Patriots. I think we all know that. So, yeah, a guy that gets his second opportunity can be better than he was in his first opportunity and, and succeed. We see that all the time. So I'm not ruling that out. But I do think there is significant baggage with McDaniels if you're going to hire him. And when you have an alternative like Brian Dable out there, that's the guy you go after. Another guy that I'm interested in on why he's not getting more calls in terms of a second time around for a coach is Dennis Allen. Now, I know he interviewed with the Bears, but he has been really good in terms of putting a defensive scheme together for the Saints for a number of years. I don't know why Dennis Allen, we talk about Josh McDaniels getting another opportunity. He was in a horrible situation with the Raiders. Why isn't he getting more love? All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So a lot more to get into. So a lot of things on the table. If you're Josh McDaniels and you get offered the Raiders job, would you take it? Also on the table, what do the Patriots need to do to enhance Mac Jones's performance next season? And oh, by the way, we will, in just a little bit, we will get to the Celtics and one of the narratives that's being pushed about this team, I just don't buy it. And the real reason they suck right now, we'll address all that in just a little bit here on EEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 